Our guest this week is longtime Phoenix area newsman Steve Goldstein, recently retired from the local NPR station uh, KJAZZ. He'll be with us in just a moment. From KTAR News, this is The Think Tank, hosted by Dr. Mike O'Neill. Well, welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you, Mike. Good you, to see you. You've been here a long time. Been here a long time. I had uh, I had a lot more hair then uh, when I was very little. Moved here when I was five and then uh, stayed. And people have asked me for a long time why I've stayed. And, you know, family reasons, I suppose. Yeah. The heat's starting to get to me, though. Yeah. It'll, <laughs> it'll do that. Uh, that's why God made San Diego in Mexico, right? <laughs> right, exactly. I remember, that, uh, who was it? Sign me to him. One of the old, there, was, there have been Arizona politicians who... Uh, actually campaigned on the beaches of San Diego, the airplanes with the little flyers and things like that. Yeah. Know where the votes are. I think about that these days, so about collecting yeah. signatures for different things. You know, one of the one of the gigs yeah. I'm doing now is, you know, for a ballot mm-hmm. measure potentially. And one of the thoughts is, well, when do you collect the signatures? June, July, and August, do you just take it off because everyone's somewhere else? Yeah. Well, we're going to go there, but I, I yeah. think I want to I pick up on your suggestion, which was an outstanding one. Why don't we get us there by kind of historical? Uh, I came here in 79. You've been here a little longer than that, but, but a little bit younger. You probably yeah. weren't doing much politics around then. No, probably the uh, 80s is when I started yeah. really paying attention. I think I, this is sort of my first uh, kind of appreciation of Arizona politics is right around that area. Um, Bruce Babbitt was governor. Um, since I've been here, this has been a solidly Republican state. Sure. Um, that wasn't true in the original. If you go back to pre-Goldwater in the 50s, we were, uh, were a very blue democratic uh, and actually progressive state at the um, Arizona was kept out of the union because they wanted to do some progressive things like have recall of judges and things like that. But we evolved into a, a Goldwater Republican state. And Bruce Babbitt was governor. And the most powerful, arguably, man in the state now has a library named after him, mm-hmm. Burton Barr. My ex was a staffer for Burton Barr's. He would most every day tell somebody to fire her, but everybody knew that he didn't mean it. So it's it kind of a running joke. But it was a different Republican Party then. And a guy like Burton Barr worked very closely with Bruce Babbitt to the common good. Mm-hmm. Right now, you have a razor-thin Republican majority, but it's a different breed of cat from back then. You had uh, the Republicans were conservative, but they're, they, they were what we would call now mainstream conservative, really Goldwater conservatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and they worked well together, notably one of the biggest things right after I got here 1980 Groundwater Management Act, which has held us in very good stead for over 40 years. It, it's kind of running its core. I mean, nothing is forever. That's what's interesting. And there's some adjustments that have to be made. But if you get something that, uh, you know, maintains the kind of growth that we've had for the last 40 years, uh, that's a pretty good accomplishment. Well, you know, when you mentioned that, too, and I, I presume folks who listen to you and your podcast and your show or folks who really care about this stuff deeply. Cause I think about, so I had, um, with Barr, I think about how he was going to be the next governor and then end up losing to Evan Meekham shockingly in the primary. But you know, a couple other names, a couple of guys who were still around, still hanging in there, Alfredo Gutierrez and Art yeah. Hamilton, who yeah. were 
powerful Democrats. Yep. And Gutierrez was a very young man at the time. Maybe he was, yeah. was he barely 30 even at the time when he was doing some of that stuff. I, I think he was in his 20s. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I yeah. one of the greatest uh, phrases in Arizona political lexicon, it was known as shopping in Alfredo's store. <laughs> when when the Republicans needed a few extra votes from the Democratic side and Alfredo is the Democratic leader. Yeah. And we can we can we can work out but let's let's go shopping in Alfredo's store. What Yeah. <laughs> here's some things I'd like. <laughs> well you haven't been a, a philosopher and a pollster mm-hmm. for all these years and an academic that you have. It's mm-hmm. funny for me because you know, I'm a registered independent, and I don't, oh, you worked in public radio. I, I was as middle of the road as I could possibly mm-hmm. be. I always didn't want the perception of mm-hmm. being some, you know, too progressive, too left. Mm-hmm. But I did think that pragmatism was was a good thing. And I wonder if we think about when things started to yeah. shift. Because back then you mentioned, you know, the idea of, of Babbitt working so closely with Barr and Barr working closely with Gutierrez and Hamilton. If you were to see, I mean, not to say Doug Ducey didn't get along with some Democrats, sure, but he always went to the Republicans first for budget, and mm-hmm. they always tried to do the majority. If Hobbs could have gotten away with that this time, I think she probably would have. The Democrats mm-hmm. had control of the House and Senate. So I don't know where we turned away from pragmatism to say purity from both parties, really. You know, there is something that I think is pernicious in our system, and that is the requirement that you get the majority of the majority party. Let me work out some arithmetic on that. So let's say you've got in the Senate right now, you've got 16 Republicans and 14 Democrats. Nothing happens unless you have nine Republicans. So if you had eight Republicans in favor, eight against, and all of the Democrats in favor, that would be 14 plus eight, 22 out of 30 members of the Senate. And it will go nowhere because you don't start out with the majority of the majority. It's a way the majority cuts the minority completely out of politics with rare exception when they all of a sudden need a vote once in a while. Mm -hmm. But that, to me, is a very destructive thing in our politics that should be about majority rule. Things that are supported by 22 out of 30 elected legislators ought to go through. What what is that? That's more than two-thirds, right? It's It's more than two-thirds. It's more than two-thirds, and that's not good enough if the numbers... And, of course, what that does is empower the most extreme elements within the party. And in Arizona, that's always been the Republican Party because uh, in the last 40 years, I think there was one instance, well, Alfredo had a 50-50 Senate. Right. And there might have been one instance where one house had a one-vote Democratic majority way back when, we, we, two years. We had, not to bore people with names they might not remember, but this guy named Randall Gannant, who was mm-hmm. Senate president, this would have been around 2000, it was 15-15 Senate, and he worked with, so they were forced to, to work together mm-hmm. for two years, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. was, yeah. And and who was governor then? Probably a Republican. It was Jane Hull, I think, so okay. right before Napoleon. So you have yeah. a Republican governor, you have uh, a Republican in one house and a split other house. So so the Democrats are going to be at the table, but kind of barely. I mean, <laughs> right, exactly. But you had to work with them, yeah. which you don't have to do under Doug Ducey. He almost never had to work with any Democrats. In fact, he'd catch a lot of flack if he did. You want to get things through with 
all Republican votes. Now, he had a couple more votes than they had now, but it's still a pretty thin Republican majority. But it's a Republican majority that's tilted very much in the locus of power towards the extreme. Well, think back, you know, our, our good friend Chuck Coughlin, mm-hmm. uh, frequent guest, um, who worked for Governor Brewer was, you know, whether her shadow chief of staff or her actual mm-hmm. chief of staff, whatever yep. it was. When you think about the the rolling over of Andy Biggs, now Congressman Andy Biggs, when mm-hmm. he was Senate president, because Brewer, even as a conservative Republican, wanted not only a temporary sales tax, mm-hmm. which went to the ballot, but also she wanted to make sure that Medicaid expansion yeah. happened. So she was a, so she got the Democrats on her side against some of the conservative Republicans. And, and that was pure pragmatism. That yeah. was when I remember in that case, the hospitals go to the and they say, Medicaid expansion is what's going to keep us from going under because the hospitals were forced to pay out of their, they're not allowed to turn away emergency cases. They had to take cases and they wouldn't get paid for a lot of those things. By expanding Medicare, you cranked up the percentage of those cases that they would get reimbursed for. Interesting thing about that is the hospitals that are worst damaged by that were the rural hospitals, which are the most conservative Republican errors. The the, the rural hospitals were going to the governor and saying, if you don't do this, we're going to go under. And there's going to be areas of this state that don't have a real hospital. Mm -hmm. So that was a pragmatic move on the part of Chuck and the governor. And just bowing to really economic reality. And, and it was, I think, a bill, oh, billion, two billion, something like that, yep. straight to Arizona hospitals without a nickel of Arizona taxes. Uh, it, was, it was like, you know, were you going to commit suicide to maintain your ideological purity? And Jan Brewer said no. Yeah, which I think was probably a surprise to people at the time, but she was... If nothing else, she was a pragmatist, for sure. Well, I remember the other, this was an amusing comment. Jane Ho came in. She was, I forget what they called her, She was, but she was like on the far right flank of the Republican Party. And she, you know, by the end of her career, they were calling her a liberal rhino. Whatever. <laughs> and she said, I never changed. Yeah. This party changed around me. I'm used. To, I'm not used to being attacked from the right. I, I was as far right as there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was an interesting person, and of course, one of the run of former secretaries of state that took over. Another weird part of our history here. Yeah. When you know it started with well, it started with Babbitt. You mentioned Babbitt. I mean, we had the the role of. We had Raul Castro leaving to join the Carter that administration. Was a, that was a multi a yeah. multi fast. And then Wesley Boland. Do you remember what, away, why yeah. Babbitt ran for attorney general? No, it was a little bit before my time. Okay, yeah. well, I'll yeah. tell you what yeah. the thing was. It was a suicide thing, okay? He's a young lawyer. He's in his 30s. And basically, this will be good for me. I'll get beat, but I'll be a former attorney general candidate. That'll be good for my law practice. And somebody got indicted or something, some freakish thing happened because yeah. basically Democrats didn't win very often. Mm-hmm. They, there was a period when they won once in a while. Yeah. But uh, so he ends up as attorney general. Um, w- um, let's see. Uh, Raul Castro, governor, governor, takes a job as uh, ambassador to Argentina. Wesley Bolin, long-term secretary of state, becomes governor, dies 30 days later. Yeah. Rose Mofford is the appointed secretary of state. She's ineligible. And the next in line is Bruce Babbitt. Poof, we have an instant governor. Yep. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and had a, had a big influence. I mean, the groundwater. I mean, he obviously old time 
uh, Arizona family sure. as old as anybody. Remember, he ran for president too. Oh, absolutely. Remember, he, 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 yeah. Bicycle, remember, the bicycle trip across. I also Iowa, remember he he, uh, he one of the debates. Was it an official debate or not where they said, uh, I'm willing to stand up and say I'm going to raise taxes. Anybody else with me? Yeah. And no one else stood up. <laughs> <laughs> Torpedoed his chances right that there. Has, yeah. You know, the thing about that, that, you know, there are, you, you need money to do things. But if you talk about taxes in the abstract, why would anybody be in, you know, taxes and no tax? I'll take no taxes. Of course. But if you really, that's never the choice. There's, would I like taxes and better schools? Or would I like less taxes and lousy schools? That's, I mean, it, you, you're not just taking that, if you're taking that money and just throwing it away, of course not. I want my money used well. And But there's been consistently, I'll tell you, over the last 40 years, watching polling and watching people vote. If there is an identifiable high priority purpose, mm-hmm. we have regularly voted for taxes for schools, taxes for transportation. Now that's, yeah, on, the, right. that's... on the agenda. <laughs> but what and what's going in is the legislature is trying to keep it off the ballot. Talking about Prop four hundred, basically continuing forty years ago, Marty Schultz and others. Marty was in here talking about that. We have freeways in this town because of what he did in the early nineteen eighties. And uh, can you imagine the stranglehold we would be in? We'd be in perpetual gridlock without it. Well, that 40 years is just about on the edge of running up, and we can come to a grinding halt, or we can continue to pay for it. And uh, the legislature uh, doesn't want to let this oddity thing. We have uh, 13 counties, 12 of them can put something on the ballot. And the biggest county is the only one not allowed to do that, which is the reverse. Sometimes you restrict the ability of tiny counties to do things because you get quirky little things and tiny little groups of people that can do stuff and some oversight Mm -hmm. may be called for. But Maricopa County is physically bigger and has a higher population, I think, than all of New England. You know, um, it's it's bizarre. Well, some of this goes back to, you've heard this phrase forever, too, where... You know, you hear there's some rural folks or even people in Tucson or Pima County, they would go serve in the legislature and they'd say, oh, I'm glad to serve the state of Maricopa because they're so jealous or angry at Maricopa County. But some of these lawmakers who are holding things up, some of those in the Freedom Caucus Mm -hmm. are from Maricopa County. So you like, you know, you guys are going to be affected by this. And how about the other day with with Ben Toma, how speakers saying they don't want to expand light rail to the Capitol because that's rubbing our nose in it. Do we have to look at this light rail? Look at it. Well, that's (laughs) what. Yeah, it's like. What do you, what is the problem you have with this? It's like without transportation, people can't take jobs. And that is, yeah. you know, a lifeline for some people, yeah. but not them. Well, some of this comes back to what you were saying about people wanting to vote to raise taxes or not vote to raise taxes. I mean, I don't even think, maybe I'm wrong. I wouldn't even think the most progressive person thinks the government always spends our money wisely. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, no way. But, but, here's the but if you have a specific project, we, we then, don't yeah. we don't agree on what expended. Everybody right. everybody says the government is spending too much, and some people say, "Well, we're we're ridiculous in what we're spending on defense." And other people say, "Oh, look, they waste money in education." There is no agreement about what those things are. Right. So, but everybody can agree that there's something in government that they don't like. And if only, and, but what you want cut, you might have 5% of the people agree with you on that point, yeah. but, but everybody throws that up. You know, you know, it's analogous to that. It's like the polling right now on, do you think Biden should run? 
and half the Democrats say no, but no more than 5% of them agree on what person they would like to see run in his place. <laughs> right. So they, they're, they're thinking Biden or this idealist candidate who, you know, fits my desires perfectly. Yeah. You know, and, and they, uh, the polling also ignores the fact that question about you, you should Trump run, it gets the same time. And if you look at historically, mm-hmm. that's very, we get tired of our people very quickly. So should so-and-so run almost always gets a negative result because people compare that to some idealized notion of the perfect candidate that doesn't exist. Well, you would know this a lot better than I do. What, who's the last president who actually left office with an above 50% approval? Was it Clinton? Uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, and I think it was the impeachment that did it. <laughs> he took. They thought the impeachment was a raw deal, and they thought it was going to sink him. And it just right in '98, he basically is one of the few off-term uh, periods when and uh, a sixth year of a presidency didn't get massacred. In in fact, they got a huge bump up. It boomeranged yeah. on him because yeah. it was it was seen as a raw deal. So tell us what you've been doing because you're you're, yeah. you're on the edge of political reform now. Well, it's funny too, Mike, because I was you know I've, I did the journalism thing for more than twenty five years, mm-hmm. and to say I didn't like it would be a lie because I I do love it and I I loved being on the radio and I loved writing pieces and that was really great. Got to a point where I felt like I was spinning my wheels and doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and so some people came to me when I said that I was leaving. One was Mr. Coughlin. He might regret this now, but he came to me and said, hey, do you want to get involved in this this ballot measure mm-hmm. involving changing Arizona's system, an open primary system, mm-hmm. and potentially then the second step would be either ranked choice voting mm-hmm. or some maybe top two like California yeah. has. So changing it. Well, I think not the just, real key part of that yeah. is not the ranked choice, which that's well and good, no, no harm. But, but the real thing is every person gets to vote right. in every election. You don't have these little cabals of closed primaries where both parties put up their most extreme candidates and you have no choice in the middle. And at least 80% of these races now, congressional and legislative races are decided in the primary when, you know, we know our turnout's not that great, especially in part because as we've seen Arizona be a pioneer in the increase of either independent or, you know, not choosing a, a party preference, we're at a third, if not more than that, in Maricopa County. So you end up with a lot of these independents Yes, Got we know to go. we know they can they can get the ballot of one or the other. Mm-hmm. But why should they have to? Yeah. It's taxpayer funded primary. They should be able to vote how they want. So one of the things they're looking at is, is can you make it a truly open primary? Independents have to get the same number of signatures to be candidates. And we get to vote for everybody. The, you know, people who don't like it say, well, what are you doing? You're taking away the power of the primary. Well, you're not really because you're giving voters more power. Yeah, because all voters vote because there's one primary for everybody. Absolutely. You know? And uh, the only thing I would contest I, in what you said is I think it's closer to 90% than 80 okay. of, of elections that are predetermined that I could tell you years in advance who's going to win in November because not not brilliance. You know, if you got a 60-40 lopsided oh, yeah. partisan thing, the 60% party is going to win absent some astronomical um, um, event. Scandal usually. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So, and again, I don't know if the people I work for like this idea or not, but to me, the open primary system, even having a top two or whatever Mm -hmm. in the next in the general, to me, that works incredibly well if you decide um, you do the statewide races. I would say U.S. Senate, you could do governor, you could do that where it is just, it ends up being top two, whatever it is. 
I'm not sure that works as well as I'm saying for the statewide mm-hmm. race. I think that would work great, though, for House races and legislative races mm-hmm. because they're so gerrymandered. Because mm-hmm. even with our independent redistricting commission, I mean, one mm-hmm. side wins, and that's, that's mm-hmm. sort of how it's been. If you'd say to me, okay, we're going to have the East Valley District, Andy Biggs uh, taking a lot of criticism, I think justifiably so, for January 6th and his involvement with that. That's a Republican district. Mm-hmm. If I'm an independent or a Democrat, I need to wake up and say that's, an inter- that, that's a Republican district. But would I rather have a Republican who will occasionally work with Democrats or someone who's going to deny yeah. that our government exists? And we had in this last election a very credible former Republican ran as an independent. The power of the R next to your name is so strong yeah. that it almost never works. Yeah. This is someone who fit that East Valley Republican mold well, yeah. LDS member, yeah. and thought, oh, he's going to do great. What did he get? Six percent of the vote? Yeah, because of the power of the you know the, the the right party next to your name that a lot of people don't understand. They know the R and the D, mm-hmm. and enough people just vote by that that uh, you know. Uh, well, in, in Arizona is afflicted by this more in terms of uh, more than most states in terms of having some really extremist uh, candidates. Who are the, you notice the people who've come out against this are the, are the people who know that in an open system where everybody votes, they're not going to have the artificial advantage that they have right now. Well, I think about, was it a decade ago, maybe 2012, um, when the first thing came out about doing a top two potentially in mm-hmm. Arizona. I remember my old show having, talking to Mary Rose Wilcox, mm-hmm. very established person in the Democratic mm-hmm. Party, and then Secretary of State Jan Brewer. Mm-hmm. And they were just, oh, this is a terrible, terrible idea. And of course, people who were entrenched in either party, yep. if you take yep. away any of their power, possibly no, no dice. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. Well, you were talking to people who were advantaged by the current contrived system. Absolutely. So of course, they're going to be against change. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's most incumbents. You know, if this system was good enough that it elected me, it must be pretty good. <laughs> why, why should I? So there's a vested interest on the part of anybody who is currently elected to keeping the current system, because after all, it was good enough to elect them. No question. I mean, I see that. I understand why they would want to keep it. And yet, you you know, I'm still naive enough, Mike, to hope that, you know, don't you think the system would work better, even if it goes, all right, Senator John Kyle, very conservative, was one of my favorite people to interview back in the day, because there was one point where the Democrats had the Senate. And they were working on immigration reform. Mm-hmm. How many times have we heard that? They were going to do something. He and McCain were two Republicans who were in favor because they see what happens with Arizona. And there was a photo of him with Ted Kennedy, you know, liberal lion. Yeah. And I remember I brought that up to Kyle and he said, you know, I get it. I get why my Republican friends don't like that. But guess what? The Democrats control the Senate. Mm-hmm. You want to get anything done on immigration? You I have to talk to you. Work yeah. So, yeah. You know, if we had a system like this, where I'll, I'll bet you dollars to donuts, one of our senators right now would be Jeff Flake. I totally agree with that. You know, yes. Because yes. Jeff Flake would win a general election. He he fits the the state very well. He is a conservative Republican. Not crazy, though. Libertarian in and, some ways. Yeah, libertarian, pro-business, um, but not a Trumpy. So, so that's why he, he recognized he had no chance to win a Republican primary. But would be broadly appealing, would get a clear, I think, a clear majority, would beat most anybody, any Democrat, and did, you know. Um, he's the kind of person that would be advantaged by this system. And somebody who I think one could make the case is a lot more reflective of the state of Arizona. Well, that's why the one argument I've heard against this potential change in the system that throws me off is, and again, I haven't been a member of a party 
for my adult life. So I don't, I don't have this commitment to it, but I think I'm thrown off by the idea that, you know, this isn't to advantage one party or the other. In fact, I think if the system had been in place and Karen Taylor Robeson had won the primary mm-hmm. and maybe someone other than Mark Fincham was the secretary, I mean, as good as mm-hmm. Fontas, yeah. you, you could yeah. have seen a really good oh, year for oh, Republicans. Oh, so. oh the, the Republicans gave away the store to the Democrats in the, in by, by nominating election deniers and people from the fringe when the, the natural proclivity of Arizona is still slightly Republican. And a mainstream Republican, look at uh, uh, Treasurer, look at some of the Mm -hmm. other, uh, look at uh, Corporation Commission. Basically, the non-extremist, non-Trump faction Republicans won the statewide races. And I would even say, look at with Sinema and Mark Kelly. They vote with with President Biden a lot, I get Mm -hmm. that, even if Sinema has upset some people. The campaigns they ran were... Very independent was the main word they used, not Democrat. Absolutely. So, come back again. Will you stay? It was this, great to see this you, Mike. great Thanks. conversation. Uh, time ran out too quickly. Good to see you. Thanks. Thank you very much. Good to see you again. Mm-hmm.